Well, good morning, Foundation family. It's great to be with each and every one of you here today and hope that you had a good week. Um, we're going to continue on with our sermon series that we started last week, actually out of the book of Proverbs and entitled Adulting, Adulting and Becoming a Responsible Adult. And Pastor Brian did a great job of kicking it off last week as he examined the importance of wisdom. And he talked about Proverbs' purpose, the warnings from wisdom, the security in wisdom, and the rewards through wisdom. And so today we continue on with the series. But first I want you to think about what does it truly mean to be an adult? I remember when I was growing up and I was in elementary school and I just could not wait until junior high. I thought, oh boy, here comes junior high. This is going to be great. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, man, let's go for high school. Okay, high school is going to be even better. Let's, let's, I can't wait till I can get to high school. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm excited to go off to college. Ohio State, here I come. Come on now. This is going to be a great, great experience. And it was, but then I was ready. Let's Okay, let's, let's do this adult thing. This is going to be the best thing ever. I tell you, there's nothing greater than finally going into the big adult world. And then I realized, ooh, wow, there's a lot of different issues. There's some, there's some problems that you have to face kind of in the adult world that you didn't have to face maybe in the child world. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to go in the Wayback Machine, go in that time machine, go back to grade school, elementary school again. But the issue is we face the majority of our lifetime is in the adult years, 18 to whenever God calls you home. So we better kind of figure out this adulting thing, don't you think? Don't you think? It's pretty important to figure this out, whether you're 18 here today or whether you're 79 or whatever. It's important. It's never too late to figure this out out. And God's the one that's going to help us through it. And the book of Proverbs, in essence, is really the key to adulting. We know King Solomon wrote the majority of the Proverbs, and then he compiled the rest of them as an instruction on living wisely for the Lord. Unfortunately, Solomon did not always live out some of the instruction. That's too bad. He did for a big portion of his life, but there was a portion that he did not. But we're going to zero in today on Proverbs chapter 3. So if you pull out your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to be looking at that today. You can pull out your smartphones, whatever you've got, your tablets, your large screen TVs. Bring them out, okay? So you'll be in good shape. Oh, we got large screen TV here too, so that works. Proverbs 3, 5 to 10. This is it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. Some translations say acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. And your vats will brim over with new wine. Hmm. Now, these verses, these are especially important to me in a lot of ways. Um, when my wife and I got married 18 years ago, she decided when we got our first home 
that she was going to stencil scripture in all of the different parts of our house. And this particular passage, especially 3, 5, and 6 there, she stenciled in our living room. And so it was really kind of fun whenever somebody would come over to the house, boom, there was the book of Proverbs right there that people could actually look at and read. And it really was a great conversation starter into actually sharing more about God with people too because the word of God was right on the walls, literally. But as we examine this passage, there's a few things that we have to look at. The first one is adulting requires trusting in the Lord with all our heart, right? Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, first of all, to trust anything is to not rely on our own power, okay, our own strength, our own abilities, which is the tendency, that's where we gravitate to, is always, I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm smart enough. I can handle this on my own, right? And so we're going to try to figure it all out. And then we recognize, wait a second, this is a little more difficult than I could have imagined. And so to trust in God is bigger as we surrender our will to his will. Our will to his will. It's fully committing our ways to the Lord's ways. Instead of always trying to think, well, I've got it, I've got it all together. I've got the plan. I've got the purposes. I know what God's, I know what it is. But we don't really look to him to figure what his will is. And in many ways, it's echoing the command of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 that says, we're to love God with every ounce of our being. It's a complete conscious dependence on God. Depending on him, not on our own selves. And then we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean if I'm going to trust God with all of my heart, though? Well, we know the heart represents what? We know the heart represents the very essence of a person. It's the core of a human being, right? It's the center of a person's emotions and the part of a person that offers not only physical life, but if your heart's not beating, obviously, you're not going to have physical life. But it also represents the abundant life full of meaning and purpose. So if your heart is not beating spiritually, you're also not going to be alive spiritually then. So then to trust God with all of our heart, not just a piece of our heart, requires an all-out submission and surrender to God in all areas where we are not looking to the world for fulfillment, but recognizing that only God can provide the long-lasting fulfillment. A lot of times, we don't get that, do we? We're constantly going from thing to thing to thing for that to make us happy. Like if I could just get this, if we could just get that, then I'm going to be happy. It's going to bring fulfillment. And then we recognize, wait a second, it doesn't. Only Jesus Christ can provide the long-lasting, ultimate fulfillment as we surrender our lives fully unto him. The other part with that too is realize that's imperative that we guard our heart, right? That we guard our heart. Proverbs 4, 23 says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Yeah. If we don't guard it, it will be contaminated by all the evil in this world. And any type of abundant life that you might have is just going to be sucked right out. Just completely sucked right out of you. 
So instead of any type of God's love or joy or peace that's filling you, you will then be filled with resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness. That's what the world is going to always try to put in our hearts. We can't let ourselves get contaminated by that. Let God be the one that's filling us up. Guard our hearts from the things that are trying to harden our hearts. One of the things that grieves my soul so much is sometimes I'll see people as they get older and sometimes either they'll have a, a wonderful, beautiful, joyous heart for the Lord or sometimes there'll be such a, such a hardening that's there, such a, a bitterness, such an anger at everybody and everything. And I think, wow, what, what caused all of those wounds to cause the heart to get that hard? We have to guard our hearts. Allow them to be soft. Allow them to be moldable by the Holy Spirit. When we do that, whew, it's exciting because we're broken before the Lord. And he loves to use broken people, broken vessels before him. The other aspect, too, is the question, are what are we truly trusting in? <laughs> if we're downright honest, are we trusting in our own intellect, thinking I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I can handle this my, myself? We trust in the media or the social media? What about our own physical strength? How about good old common sense? hear that a lot. Whatever it is, though, it has to be replaced solely by the Lord. And nothing else. And in order to do this, we have to get to know the Lord, not just on this superficial level, but on a much deeper level to get that real depth. And then just like with a person who is faithful and you begin to trust that person more and more, that's the way it is with God too. You get to know God more and more. You see his faithfulness to all generations all generations, his faithfulness is there. I'll never forget when I was first dating my wife. She wasn't my wife yet. I was first dating her. And I remember being scared to death, you know, like the first time that I held her hand. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go for this. And I put it out there. And she squeezed back. I'm like, yes. Woo. You know, I was pretty pumped about that. I was like, all right. But I was, I was so nervous because, I, you know, I'd been, I'd been hurt in a lot of previous relationships, just like maybe some of you guys have. And, you know, the, the dagger in the left ventricle had been there and twisted a few different times through the years. And I thought, can I really, can I put my heart out? Can I trust this person? Am I really going to be able to trust them? But the great thing was as I got to know her more and more and the depth of our relationship got to be stronger and stronger, the trust level increased all the more. And now after 18 years of marriage, you know, I can't wait to get that 40, 50, 60 range too, but after 18 years of marriage, that, that trusting is, is so strong and it's so beautiful and it's from the Lord. God wants us to develop a depth in our relationship with him that we are able to fully trust him. We don't have to, to worry that somehow he's going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us, right? 
We could put our hearts out there for him, guard our hearts from evil, but yet put our hearts open to him. That's what he desires. The other part of this, too, is that we can't lean on our own understanding, can we? For adulting requires not leaning on our own understanding because our own understanding can be so finite and limited, but God's understanding is beyond what anyone can fathom. You see, leaning, in essence, has the sense of kind of putting all your weight on something, right? Putting all your weight if you're leaning. Like sometimes I've leaned against trees or what I'm leaning against. I'm reading a book next to a tree or I'm kind of, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to move. It's not going to shake, right? Leaning involves resting on and trusting in. So then we need to rest on and trust in the Lord instead of our preconceived ideas. We have important decisions to make all throughout our lives, don't we? Tons of them. Almost too many of them sometimes. But we have to ask ourselves, who are we going to rely on with all these big decisions? We're going to rely on ourselves. We're going to rely on our family. We're going to rely on our friends. Nothing wrong with that to a degree. You're not necessarily bad. But remember, God, though, is always going to know the ultimate best for us, right? He's going to know the ultimate best. So we can trust his understanding in every choice that we make. Obviously, we should not omit careful thinking or belittle our God-given ability to reason. But we should not trust our own ideas to the exclusion of all others. We cannot be prideful and think that we are wise in our own eyes where we believe our, our ideas are somehow better than all others. So we exclude all others' point of view. Instead, we need to be willing to listen, to listen to and be corrected by God's word and corrected by godly people who have our best interest at heart, right? Isn't it great how you can open up the word of God and the Holy Spirit can speak to you in the word of God? It can just kind of punch you in the gut sometimes. It could just kind of, wow, drive something right within you. It's that rebuke. It's that correcting that God's word can do. Sometimes we get that from godly people too. We need to be able to listen. If somebody that's a godly person is coming to you and out of love is confronting you and trying to help you to walk more closely with the Lord, make sure that we listen to them, that we heed maybe some of the correction that, that they're offering. They're doing it out of love, and maybe this is God speaking through them for our best interest at heart. We have to realize that, the listening to God's word, listening to other people. None of us have all the answers, especially during these times today. It's more important than ever that we're leaning upon the Lord, for he is the rock that's immovable, right? Everything else is shifting sand. Never sturdy, never steady at all. But he's the rock that we can hold on to. Amen? Just like we just sang that song, Build My Life. What are we building our lives on? It says that in Matthew 7. The wind, the rain, the storms, everything's coming, isn't it? It's been coming for 18 months especially in a lot of people's lives. It's here. What's our rock? Is our rock Jesus Christ? Or is it just a bunch of sand? 
And that's what keeps us so unsteady all the time. The next verse in verse 6 says to acknowledge him, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Straight. So adulting requires submission to God. Ooh, we don't want to hear that word, do we? <laughs> he said the S word. Submit. <laughs> Submission to God. It comes from the Greek word hupotasso, and it means to arrange in order under. It actually is a military term and is absolutely crucial in the military in order to achieve the objective mission at hand. If you didn't have hupotasso in the United States military, oh boy, we'd have major, major problems on our hands. Right? Likewise, we are, we're in the army. We're the Lord's army. We truly are. He is the commander in chief. So in order to achieve our mission, which we know is the great commission, we had better learn how to submit to his will. It's not easy. It's not fun. You know, we worship fun as a society. It's not fun, but it's the best for us the best for us. He's going to then make our path straight. Without the Lord's guidance, there's no way that we can possibly run straight. It'd be like trying to, to run full speed in the dark or to run full speed and you're blindfolded. Anybody ever tried that before? Try to run straight? Try to... I did that before. That was concussion number one. Okay. Oh, man. A lot, of, a lot of dumb things. That was one. Don't try to run full speed in the dark. You're not going to go where you're supposed to go, right? But with God, things are possible. According to Psalm 119, 105, though, he's a lamp unto our feet. He's a light for our path. Let him be the one that shows us how we can. Then we can go full speed. Then we can go in the right direction because he is the one that's leading us. He's the one that's the lamp. He's the one that's the light for us. And also remember, the Bible is very clear about paths according to Matthew 7, 13, 14. Check this out. It says, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few, only a few find it. Woo! That's tough. We don't want to hear that, do we? We only want the part of the Bible that makes us feel good. We don't want the tough part. That's the tough part there. When you read that, we have to realize we've got to run the narrow road on the straight path. And our reward will be far, far greater than any riches that the world can offer. In fact, recently, actor Denzel Washington talked about this with a, a group of of men at the Christian Men's Conference. Who likes Denzel? Anybody? Come on now. Remember the Titans, Glory, all of those movies? Oh, man, the fire, the intensity, the passion. Well, Denzel is a believer in Christ, and especially his last number of years, he's really wanted to honor his mother and, and just live for the Lord more than ever these last number of years. And he says, quote, fame is a monster 
And we all have these ladders and battles, roads we have to walk in our given lives. We all have our individual challenges and battles, and money doesn't make it better. Fame just magnifies the problems and the opportunities. He says, stay on your knees. Listen to God. I hope that the words in my mouth and the meditation of my heart are pleasing in God's sight. But I am human. I'm just like you. What I have will not keep me on this earth for one more day. So share what you know. Inspire who you can and seek advice. If you want to talk with someone, talk to the one that can do something about it. Then he goes on to say, I'm all about the message to the degree that I know it. And I'm unashamed and unafraid to share it. Woo! Isn't that good? Yeah. That's not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Making an impact in Hollywood, and that's a, that's a tough place. But I tell you what, that's being a light for Jesus Christ. We come to the next part, and that is adulting requires not using our own flawed wisdom, right? Verse 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Remember that true wisdom can only come through knowledge of God's word and then the consistent application of it. So that if we're constantly kind of feeding our eyes with all kinds of information and images that are flawed because of sin, it will eventually begin to taint our point of view and possibly change our worldview from a biblical worldview to a secular worldview. So then the goal as believers in Christ is to strive for a biblical worldview. And you might be saying, what is that? What is this, this type of worldview? It's where we see all things happening in our world today through the lens of Scripture and not from a cultural or political persuasion. We see things through the lens of Scripture, not a cultural or political persuasion. This is not easy in the charged environment that we live in today. But we have to, as believers in Christ, seek to find answers to our questions through how the Bible addresses a particular issue, and especially according to the Gospels, how Jesus would have responded to the issues of today as the tender warrior that he is. Knowing that he was so tender, loving, kind, gentle, compassionate. But a warrior has stood on truth, right? Stood on truth. Called the Pharisees out. For their hypocrisy over and over again. What an example. That's who we look to. We can't look to all the things of this world. We look to Jesus. Look to him. He's the one that's our great example. And it also may recognize, too, that this is not easy. <laughs> I'm not saying it is. Especially as we're bombarded by so much information coming from every angle. To have this biblical worldview requires sometimes countless hours of really studying the Bible and, and really praying earnestly. It also may mean looking for different 
media outlets than the ones that we're accustomed to. I know I'm so very thankful for the Christian Broadcasting Network, Focus on the Family, Moody Bible Radio, Turning Point, and churchleaders.com. I believe all these media sources are a good supplement in addition to the Bible and the times that we live in. These sources can help us kind of sift through the continuous information that's bombarding us every day. It can provide us then with the biblical worldview. we got so much information coming at us. Sometimes I tell my wife, I want to go back to encyclopedia days. Just give me the world book, 1979 edition. We're good, okay? <sighs> Some of you guys are like, what's a world book? <laughs> Ask your parents or grandparents, they'll tell you. But sometimes we got so much stuff. And we're trying to figure out what is right. Where is this? Ah, Calgon, take me away. You know, you're just like frustrated because you don't know and you want to know. And I get that. It's hard. But that's why look to some of these media sources that I mentioned. And some of those can help you to see things from a biblical perspective. Not from a left, right, whatever perspective. From Bible perspective. That's the most important thing, if we claim to be Christians, that's who we need to be looking to. Let's look through that lens as we see the world. And it leads to the next part. The next part of the verse states that we're to fear the Lord and shun evil, right? Fear the Lord is to have a healthy respect for the Lord that he so rightly deserves. And for us to truly recognize that every single one of us is going to stand before the Lord. We're all going to have to give an account someday for our lives. And for those of us that have been true followers of Christ, we don't have anything to worry about, honestly. Right? We know the best is yet to come. That we're going to be able to have the ultimate party in heaven. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. We'll be able to experience perfect peace and outrageous joy. However, if we have just been kind of going through the motions, and we're just a bunch of fans for Christ, just kind of fans cheering him on when things aren't going too bad, things aren't going too good, we're just kind of cheering him on. Our fear should be a healthy fear of God and his judgment upon us. After all, Jesus made it very clear, didn't he? In Revelation 3.16, he says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Boy, another nice, comfy saying by Jesus. Huh? <laughs> another hard saying, but so true when we think about it. We have to recognize, let's choose to be hot in our faith where we're on fire for him, right? It's not going to be easy, no. But everything in life worth achieving is never easy. It always takes a tremendous amount of discipline, a tremendous amount of sacrifice. It takes denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him, right? That cross represents suffering. It represents pain at times. And then the other part is, how are we doing with the shunning of the evil? To shun means to have nothing at all to do with something or someone. There's all different kinds of shunning, right? I'll never forget in my old church where I was a youth pastor for years, there was a, 
a young woman that came, 19 years old, and a wonderful, wonderful young lady, and uh, she had been shunned from her family. You see, she grew up in Amish country, and she decided she didn't want that anymore. So when she turned 18, she decided she was leaving the Amish community. And so her family decided that she was going to be completely ostracized, completely shunned. And so her family never talked with her ever again. Gut-wrenching. So hard. So we said as a church, well, we're going to come around you. We're going to love on you. We're going to be your family. So that's what we tried to do over the next number of years. Also, I was in the country of Thailand a bunch of times, and we would go into these leprosy colonies. And when we went into the leprosy colonies, we would hear the stories from the people, and they would talk about how they'd been shunned by their family, that they were forced to live in a colony simply because they had a skin disease. It forced them to live in a colony. Their family didn't want to have anything to do with them for the rest of their days. Wow. Sadly, what happens is as human beings, we've got the shunning thing down pretty good with other people, don't we? Somebody doesn't believe the way that I believe, boom, cancel. Cancel culture, boom, they're done. Write them off. No more friendship there. We're good at that with people. Sad. We're not so good with shunning evil, which is what we should be shunning, right? That's what we should be shunning, is evil. We don't do so hot with that. And sometimes we think, well, evil, you know, that's just murder. Hey, I haven't murdered anybody today, so that's good. Oh, well, you know, evil, that's, that's just that demonic thing. No, evil is so much broader than that. It's really any sinful thoughts, sinful words, sinful actions. It's anything that draws us away from Christ and actually draws us into our own selfishness. So then drunkenness, lust, lying, gossip, anger, malice, all of those would be considered evil. And we can't rationalize it. <laughs> we can't justify it. we got to call it out, right? we got to bring it to the light and then repent of it. We got to shun that type of evil. And then if we're hanging with people that are engaging in that type of behavior, we got to still shun that evil, right? I'm not saying we shun those people forever and ever, but maybe we got to take some steps back. We got to realize that 1 Corinthians 15 33 says, Don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good character. So then make the choice to remove yourself from whatever company is constantly dragging you down. And then recognize that the reward, according to verse 8, is what? It's physical health. Isn't that amazing? Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that you're going to have perfect health automatically. But it does mean that you will not have to deal with the physical consequences that come from sinful choices, right? Way too many times, way too many times, I've seen people die from cirrhosis of the liver because of alcoholism. I've seen people die of lung cancer because of smoking. I've seen people die of cardiac arrest because of drug overdoses. Breaks my heart. We have to recognize the physical benefits of making good choices are going to far outweigh any temporal, short-term feelings 
that we may receive. And then lastly, adulting requires honoring the Lord with our wealth. Pastor Jeff, I'm poor. I, I don't have anything. Okay, well, let's, let's talk to some of the people in a lot of the other nations of the world. We all have to. And it even says in Scripture to do that with our first fruits of our crops and watch and see how the Lord blesses. You see, God wants our best, not just a bunch of leftovers. I don't know how it all exactly works. I'm not a complete theologian with this. But I do know that the Israelites were required to give to the priest the first part of the olive oil, the wine, the grain that was produced each year. And in the book of Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, it was supposed to be a tithe or a 10%. And somehow, someway, God blessed them even more as a result. <laughs> Incredible. In some ways, it's kind of like, like this sand here. I know it doesn't look like sand. It's purple sand, though. It's the crafty kind of sand that my, my wife has and my daughter has, okay? But it's kind of like, like this sand when it comes to really, truly honoring God with our resources, honoring God with our wealth, right? So if this represents our wealth, represents our resources, too many times this is what we want to do. We want to we have our resources all of our wealth, and we want to put it in there, and we want to hold it tight, don't we? We want to have a, a clenched fist. This is mine. I worked hard for this. I'm not giving any of this up. Mine, mine, mine. We revert to our three-year-old selves, don't we? Don't you be telling me to give anything away. Uh-uh. I slaved over this. I'm not giving anything away. So you got this amount that you're holding Tightly too, right? Just a little amount there. But then watch what happens if you decide, no, I'm going to give. I'm going to hold on loosely to my things, my wealth, to my position. I'm going to hold on loosely to it. Watch what happens. Instead of a, a clenched fist, you have an open hand. And this is what, the, what happens. You're able to keep going and keep going. And you're sharing and you're sharing and you're sharing more and more and more and more and more. And then, wow, you actually have even a lot more in your hand, and you've given out a ton more. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible how God does that. God blesses us that way. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I know it's happened to us before. As we said, okay, we're going to support five missionaries. We're going to support the church. We're gonna, well, we don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to do it. And it's awesome to see how God did somehow, someway blesses us in return. Not that we're doing it with improper motivation, but in his sovereignty and in his will, he somehow blesses us. Wow. So we have to have an open hand. With our things. We don't own it. God owns it. We're just stewards. He owns it all. We don't own anything. But one for God, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have any, wouldn't have a house, you wouldn't have food, you wouldn't have anything. It's only the Lord. So we gotta hold it with an open hand, not a closed fist, right? That's how we honor God then with our wealth. 
And it brings us then to our life lesson. The life lesson is this. Where am I in this whole adulting process? If I'm truly honest, where do I stand? Am I just a child in this? Am I a teenager in this? Am I a young adult? Or am I a mature follower of Christ? Am I moving towards maturity? Maybe I'm not there yet, and that's okay. None of us are. But if we're moving towards that maturity in Christ, that's what God wants. He doesn't want to stay as a child. He doesn't want us to be 50, 60, 70 years old, and we're still a child of the faith. He wants us to recognize, let's, let's grow in maturity. Let's become that adult for Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we love you so much. Thank you for my friends here today. Thank you for a chance to be able to worship you through prayer, to worship you through, through music, to be able to worship you through your word today. And I do pray that you would help us as believers in you to really walk closely with you. Help us to desire to be mature in our faith in you, dear God. Lord, help us to, to grow up to be all that you want us to be in our, in our faith. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, hey, enjoy the, the beautiful weather today. And don't forget grace groups all throughout the week, okay? Out of our seats and into the world. Have an awesome week. God bless you. Love you.